You're listening to the Outfitter Pros Podcast, the show for outdoor enthusiasts by outdoor enthusiasts. On the show, we speak with outfitter owners and outdoor professionals across North America and hear their stories of turning their passion into a profession. Whether you've been in the outdoor industry for years, are thinking of pursuing your own passion as a profession, or simply want to discover new outfitters for your next adventure, this is the show for you. Chris, man, welcome to the Outfitter Pros podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Excited. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it too. Um, I'm just kind of doing a little research, you know, checking out your LinkedIn because that's, I guess, what we do these days, right? We got we to gotta stalk people. <laughs> and uh, man, I was just really excited to to see, man, you had this, this, this whole journey with Moravia and we were talking before uh, we started the show here about what that looked like. So I'm really excited to kind of get in and talk about what that journey looks like. But man, you've you've had a pretty, pretty cool experience um, just on your journey into the outdoor industry. And to kind of start that, um, I I mean, we want to need to go back and look at like, how did you even get, how did you even begin to develop this, this passion for the outdoors? Like, when did that start? Yeah. So I'm fifth generation Idahoan. Uh, My great, great, great grandfather came here as a gold miner in 1866 and discovered gold in the mountains behind salmon idaho which is now considered the whitewater capital of the world so my family's been here since then so a long time um always camped always hunted always fished i mean that's just what we've done as a whole family my grandparents great-grandparents everybody all camped together and you know it's I grew up on the, right on the Salmon River, so grew up fishing and have a drift boat. And you know, my dad was one of the first ones to ever have a drift boat, kind of in the Salmon Valley. Uh, the Helfridges were doing it pretty well on the Middle Fork of the Salmon, which is right there. And uh, you know, I just was just born and bred in the outdoors. I mean, thank goodness my grandfather he he drug me out as you know as soon as I could pick up the oars, I was running the boat. Man. And he just drug me out there and I was in high school and working at a grocery store, just doing the high school thing. You know, I actually had an outfitter come to me and say, I know you, I know your family. Uh, I need somebody to work on the middle fork of the salmon. What do you think? And I was like, okay, sure. And jumped right into it. I was a junior in high school. And two weeks later, I was on the middle fork as a swamper. And from there, I just kept guiding and became the lead guide and mostly ran Maine Salmon River trips. But you're out there in the wilderness running six-day river trips as a, as a teenager, you know, and you're being the lead guide at 18. And I was in charge of the whole trip. And what a responsibility. I, I mean, I continue to tell people that it was the best job I've ever had because mm-hmm. not only does it teach you responsibility in rowing the boat down the river safely, it taught you how to cook, how to clean. I mean, it taught you all these life skills that you don't get working in a grocery store. Right. So that, right. yeah, that was, that was, that's how it all started. We just jumped right in. Didn't even, didn't even expect it, was asked to do it. 
which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's man, that's really cool too. And I think too, you, know, you and I both like so I, that was my kind of my journey into uh, the outdoor industry. It started out as a raft guide uh, on the Arkansas uh, in Colorado there, and I. I had never been rafting ever in my life. Like you had a way different experience. Like I'd never even been rafting until I went to training, but just the, the, how it helps to equip you with the ability to make these really decisive and really quick uh, decisions in a moment. And just even how that carries over into life. Like, I just love how working on the river carries over into life and, and allows you to, um, man, just become, become better equipped at, handling real life situations right right um to me growing up in idaho growing up on the river like this is your you know fifth generation idaho idahoan did i say that right yeah idahoan Idahoan. (laughs) um man like what a just what a cool like legacy that was that was already kind of there for you to to step into and so you know you're you're working for um, this, you know, you're working as a, as a river guide, you're experiencing this at a young age. Now, did you, did you do that, um, before you went to college or did you go to college immediately or, and just do it in the summers? I no, I went to college immediately, but I okay. guided during the summers, you know, and so, um, started as a junior in high school guiding and then obviously just being a swamper, not taking guests. And as soon as I turned 18, <clears throat> I started guiding trips and did it for about four years, uh, just guiding in the summer. Mm. Uh, and then that's when I went to college and went to Boise State. And at that point, I was trying to figure out what I wanted, wanted, wanted to do for a job. <clears throat> needed something to work, right? Every college kid needs a college job. Right. And at that point, I was like, you know, let me let me stay in the industry. Let's see what's up. And at that point, Moravia Corporation, which owned at that point Mora- or Moravia Rafts, as well as Cascade Outfitters, <clears throat> went there in October, threw my resume at them, and they were like, oh, man, we're not hiring right now. We just let all our seasonal staff go. And I was like, all right, well, that's cool. you know. And two weeks later, they called me back, and they said, you know what? We've looked at your resume. I, I think you could probably find a fit here. And so in August of 1999, I started working at Cascade Outfitters, which was basically just selling retail, selling river gear. Um, nine months later in, in what, August, well, yeah, October, August, whatever, in 2000, <clears throat> Moravia Rafts had an opening for a sales position. So I put in for it and uh, became the Northwest sales for Moravia. So I was basically in charge of the Pacific Northwest as well as Alaska. And that started in 2000. And that's when my journey with America Outdoors started was in 2000. And so, uh, you know, pretense that ever since then, I've done an American Outdoor show every single year. Uh, With Moravia, you know, I just continued to have the drive of wanting to push further and push further. And it was a privately owned company and still is. And, you know, wanted to stay there. And the years continued on and became the Western salesman. So I had the entire West. And then at one point I had the entire U.S. Holy cow. So I was, you know, selling boats, pushing rubber and, (laughs) you know, selling pretty high end product, which was awesome. And, you know, my dream and my passion there was I wanted to become president of the company 
And when you turn the key here, look and look back from 99 starting out as a part-time employee, when I left the company in 2017, I was president of the company Man. and I've been there for president for a few years. So, wow. Yeah. Like, man, that's just a, that's, that's a movie, right? That's a movie in the making right there. Um, small town, Idaho um, guy comes and knocks on the door. Like that's, that's such a cool, cool story and a cool part of your journey of, of, you know, taking this, this passion that you have for, for the river, for the rafting industry, for the outdoor industry really as a whole. Um, and then going to work part-time for a company like Moravia and then ascending all the way through the ladder to being president of the entire uh the entire corporation like that's yeah. that's just crazy and yeah. i i remember moravia's uh so i mean if you if anybody has pushed rubber moravia's are the cadillac you know they're the cadillac of all the rafts and uh, i remember when i was guiding on the arkansas you know all of the uh all of the experienced guides always got to take the marvs out and then we got the bucket boats so <laughs> it was uh it was always a thing that i i, I yearned for was to get to to push the, the marvs down the river one day yeah yeah it's a good good quality boat i tell you i got one in my garage still yep <laughs> man <laughs> that's that's so good so man so going through this journey uh of starting with uh as a part-time with moravia ascending through you know the company to president over a period of 18 years yep. i mean a along along that journey and you said earlier, I don't think we were talking about it on the show. We weren't recording yet, but you had, you had graduated from Boise State with a degree in uh, environmental studies, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so just pursuing, spending, because I mean, spending time getting education, you know, most people are like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do what I have my degree in, but you chose not to. It's like, I mean, why did you choose to? not pursue what you spent time and money on uh, and keep going with with Moravia. Yeah. Uh, my my original plan when I went to Boise State was I actually have three solid years of biology background. And my original plan was to finish off that biology degree, transfer to the University of Idaho, get a wildlife management master's, and then further pursue a conservation officer mm job with the Idaho fishing game. That wow. was the original in plan. But you know, life happens. I had gotten married, I had had started having kids. And, you know, with the job with Moravia, I took some time off of school and took basically took a year and a half off. And when I decided to go back to school at night school, because I was like, I want to finish this degree, you know, I've already finished three years worth of it, I want to finish something. Mm. Uh, and at that point, Boise State had started the environmental studies program. It was a brand new program. I mean, I was one of the first five people to graduate with environmental studies degree from Boise State. So I had to look at what I could take all my biology background and what could I apply to something that I could do at night school because, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to finish it. And, you know, there again, just the drive of wanting to finish something you started, right? Sure. And I wasn't gonna let go of the fact that I've gone to school for three years at Boise State. So the best thing I could apply all my biology background to was an environmental studies degree, uh, which is great, you know, great degree, great program. I did go to night school. So it took me a few years to finally finish that degree. But at that point, when I'd finished that portion of my life, I was already advanced enough that 
it didn't make sense to turn around and go back into that job environment mm. and start as an entry level person in the sure. environmental. So I wanted to finish it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's good. And I, and I think there's a lot of people too that, you know, because I think too, our, our, our culture and our society, you know, is especially uh, our generation, our parents are always just like, you have to go to college to get a good job. You know, and while your experience that got you the job at Moravia was not from college, right? Yeah. And it allowed you to progress through that because you're a hard worker. You were dedicated. Uh, you had passion that pushed you pushed you through that. And so, I mean, I, I I love that that aspect. I mean, college is good. It's great. And if you want to have a job in a field that requires a higher education, by all means, you need to do it. But if you can be content being uh, a, a guide or being whatever, whatever kind of lifestyle you want. If you can do that without college, Hey, great, do it. Like there, there should be no kind of pressure for that. Right. Um, so, but that's really cool um, for you uh, to kind of have uh, both aspects of this story. And I, I too didn't, um, I'm not doing what I went to college for either. <laughs> so uh, right. yeah, so it, it happens um, to more of us than, than I think we can imagine. I think a lot of us that stay in the outdoor industry, if that's the way, you know, how many majority of us don't have an outdoor rec nope. degree, right? We have something else. So, yeah, that's funny. When I, when I moved to Colorado, my whole plan was like, oh, I am going to go to college. I'm going to go to CMC and get a uh, outdoor education degree. And then I just, I was a kid. I was 18 when I moved out there, living in a tent in Buena Vista, and I didn't go to college. I didn't, I didn't stay and go to college um, for that. Later in life, I did. That's a whole nother story. Um, all right. So as you, as you're moving into, you have this passion for the wilderness, you're connected at, at Moravia, you're, you're, you're growing in the business. I mean, what are, what are some of those challenges that you kind of, you faced early on in your, your time with Moravia? Um, kind of propelling you forward to ultimately being president? What were some of those challenges? Like? Yeah, well, you know, um, <clears throat> I was working at Moravia when 9-11 happened. And 9-11 mm. killed the outdoor industry um, for about a season. You know, basically, it um, <clears throat> the outdoor industry struggled, especially the suppliers and manufacturers. Um, you know, everybody just kind of, pulled back and wasn't really getting outside yet and that's kind of when we started doing the real push of the staycation of trying to keep these outfitters up and going you know get these clients to get out and you know don't do a trip to mexico don't do a trip to disneyland why don't you just stay in your local area and go recreate with local wow. outfits and you know, it was a definitely trying time for manufacturers and, and suppliers after 9-11. Definitely a couple of years really struggled, you know, and that that was a tough time. And, you know, we made it, mm. you know, and we just pushed through it. And you had to do what you had to do and, you know, work work with the outfitters and, and do what we could to help them. And they were doing what they could to survive. And, you know, some of them didn't, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. they just didn't have the income. So that was, that was definitely a major struggle, mm. you know, but, but more recently, I mean, I, you know, in the last 10 years, I think the rafting industry has exploded. I mean, there's so many more people rafting now than have been in a long time. Yeah. So the rafting industry is awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, with, I mean, because you, you ascending that ladder, you said you were, I mean, you started out part-time, you went, you had sales, very uh, regional and then the whole Western side of the state and then the entire United States. So like you've, there's been different levels to your experiences and to just the, I think the understanding and the knowledge of the outdoor industry as a whole has been accumulating through that process. Right. Right. And so as you, as you kind of ended out your time with Moravia, now, when did you, when did you uh, step away from Moravia? So I stepped away from Moravia in May of 2017. Okay. There again, life, life changes. And, you know, I, um, my ex-wife and my daughters had moved out of town And I had no family in Boise anymore. So it kind of was kind of done with the big city life. Mm. I had met uh, my current wife, Leslie, and she was living up here in Lewiston, Idaho. And we basically decided that, you know, once we decided to get engaged, that one of us was going to move. And it made sense for me to leave the big city of Boise and move back to a river town in northern Idaho. And kind of get back to the roots a little bit as far as being in a smaller town. Yeah. I, uh, at that point I decided to resign my position at Moravia and I moved, moved to Lewiston. Wow. So what did you, what did you move into as you, as you resigned at Moravia? What was your next step? So, yeah. So that being said, um, you know, I kind of didn't know, I kind of wanted to stay in the outdoor industry. I didn't know really what I wanted to do. Uh, my wife currently works for one of the largest insurance agencies that insures outfitters Mm. and when corporate and the bosses heard that i was leaving moravia and moving to lewiston they approached me with what would you think about becoming an insurance agent for outfitters and i said okay and took the test in boise and passed it and became an insurance agent so when i moved to lewiston i became an insurance agent for cbiz and was selling insurance to outfitters. Did that for five years. Yeah, and that's a whole. Oh my gosh, when I had our when I had my outfitter, I had two actually. But that was always one of the hardest things. Was just like man, trying to find good policies that offered good coverage that was that was affordable. <laughs> yeah. um, it was trying, and, and so like people like you were were a huge asset and saying, oh hey tell me what you do. Like, let's, especially understanding the industry as well, because when I talked to people that didn't really specialize in the outfitter, they were like, what do, now, what do you do? What's, what's, what's a class three? What's the difference in that in a class four? Like trying to assess all of these different, you know, uh, risk levels and how to mitigate them because that's their job. Right. Uh, it was, it was a, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Uh, well, can, yeah. And I can tell you what, how calming it was when you get somebody on the phone that's an you know an outfitter or a guide looking for insurance mm. how quickly if you can understand what they're doing and you can talk to them about it you can talk the talk and walk the walk oh it calms them down immediately yeah and it's yeah. no it's no different i mean it was no different than a moravian you know you got to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk sure you know people people you know buying something you know even whether it be a raft or whether it be an insurance policy, as soon as they can understand that you know what they're talking about and you know what they're looking for, it's a huge advantage. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things, you know, as you, as you work with a certain industry, 
you know, there's there's nothing worse than having someone that knows nothing about it. And you have to just explain yourself. Well, even the most common, simple things, it's yeah. like, well, you should you should know this, you know, and to be able to to speak the same language is is huge. And it, I think, too, it really helps to create that um, foundational uh, relationship that you can start building on uh, at, at a kind of a higher tier versus knowing nothing and coming into this and having to learn as you go. Right. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's not fun. Well, so, and, and to continue to recreate, I mean, yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, I've got a 15 foot Moravia in the garage. I've got a 17 foot high drift boat. I've got a, you know, UTV that my wife, my daughters, my granddaughter, we all go out and play in that, you know, we've got a toy hauler camper, you know, I mean, we've got three sups. I mean, yeah, you just got to continue to recreate and to continue to enjoy what you're surrounded by. And it's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I can't imagine just even the the wealth of wisdom that you have in being in the industry as long as you have. I mean, it's it's been over 20, well, I guess, what, 22 years 23 years yeah. yeah yeah man just the the experience 25 years worth of experience um man how how that helps you help outfitters now right because you've been around for so long and, and that even kind of brings me i don't think i said at the beginning of this but so you uh after working at cbiz yep. uh you just recently i think last month right uh, stepped over to start working with Zeb at Zebulon LLC. I have. Um, and you're, you've become a, I guess, what's your, what's your official title with Zeb? I'm a consultant, right? but realistically I'm chief relations officer, you know, oh, keep, yeah. keeping those, keeping those relationships alive. Yeah. You know? And 25 years does that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So, so as you, Kind of stepped into this again, still in the out, outdoor industry, and, and again, the show has always been about you know telling the the stories of, of outfitter owners. At least that's what it started out as outfitter owners, and then people like uh, Zeb came along, and people uh, like Molly Simpkins with the Outdoor Guide Association, and they weren't outfitter owners. But I was like, well, you should you have a valuable voice that you that people need to hear that serves outfitters. So that's that's even kind of you know those people have helped me kind of start to expand the horizons of, of this show and, and start kind of helping morph it into whatever it's becoming. Um, so I mean, I'm super thankful to have voices like yours uh, that just look at a different aspect of the outfitter industry and how how the role that you play as a consultant to outfitters really helps shape the outfitter industry as a whole, right? So as you stepped into this role with Zeb as a consultant and the chief relations officer, I mean, what, what does that look like for you? Like what kind of things are you, are you doing or looking at when you're, when you're working with a, a new, a new client? Let's yeah. Say. Just, just trying to get out there and, and, you know, to be honest, help people, you know, yeah. and that's been one of my, some people would call it a downfall. I don't see it that way. I see, I want to help people. You know, what, what's going wrong? How can we help? How can we help you? How can we fix it? What can we do? What can we do to change things? You know, if something's not working with your company, we're going to take a look at it in a different angle and be like, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about charging more? Or what do you think about, you know, giving your guides a bonus? Like what, what's it going to take to, to help your business out? 
and you know, just talking to these outfitters and, and them understanding that we understand their business. We're just coming at it from a different angle, you know? Yeah. Basically thinking outside of the box because, you know, you, some company owners get so, you know, they get on the, they get on the railroad tracks and it's just, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, they don't think about, well, what if we just did this slightly differently and change everything? So. Yeah. And, and, and I think as business owners, we, we can be very prideful <laughs> sure. at times. Right. And we, we think, Oh, well, we know the best way. This is our vision. We we're going to, we get on those railroad tracks, but to have, have a different perspective, to have someone with a different perspective, be able to, to look in and, and see things that we often miss because we're, we have tunnel vision a lot of the times uh, is, is really impactful. And so as you're stepping into this, and I know that you just, uh, you guys just kind of uh, launched that. You just started this uh, a month ago, but I imagine you've been talking with Zeb and had this relationship with Zeb for longer than that. Right. Um, you know, what's one of the things that kind of drew you out of, you know, providing insurance for outfitters into this side of saying, hey, I, I really want to help in a, in a different way. What sure. kind of drew you? Yeah, you know, um, unfortunately, the job with CBiz was kind of going in a different direction and they were kind of, you know, they were, they're, they're basically were trying to take me in a different direction and they were trying to lead me out of the outdoor industry. And I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted to stay with what I knew and what I did best. And this opportunity with Zeb came along and, you know, I jumped on it. It means I'm going to stay in the outdoor industry. You know, mm -hmm. I, I am, I'm still a licensed insurance agent right now, but I, you know, I wanted to stay in the outdoor industry. So I jumped with Zeb and, and looking forward to, to helping him out and helping outfitters out, you know, and keeping, you know, keeping my foot in the outdoor industry and especially yeah. the rafting industry. I mean, that's obviously my passion. Mm. Yeah. So, so with your, with your history of the rafting industry and just the extensive knowledge that you have, especially as you begin to kind of coach and, and consult with, uh, rafting outfitter owners. I mean, what are, what are some of the things that as you begin a relationship with somebody, like, what are the things that you're, that you're looking for? I mean, how do you, how do you step in and begin to kind of formulate this, this plan of saying, Oh, Hey, I think this, this could be better. or This could be tweaked. And I, I realize that's kind of a, a very high level kind of blanket question and that it's different for everyone, but right. what are just some commonalities that you, you could kind of share out of that? Yeah. You know, and, and being so new to this, this is a lot of Zeb's department. Sure, sure. <laughs> but mostly it's just, you know, I think just taking a look at the overall, basically analyzing an outfitter's book of business and seeing what's going right, what's going wrong, taking a look at what rivers are running, what they're charging, doing a full analysis of that area. You know, mm. like you said, the Arkansas, I mean, perfect example is if we get approached by one of these outfitters, we're going to take a look at what, what's everybody else charging? What's the industry standard? Are you, you know, are you unique enough that you're, you're completely, you know, not charging enough or what can we help you with marketing or what can we help you to help more, you know, sell your business more. And so there's, a, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It is unique to every single outfitter and every single business, you know, and not, not saying, even, I mean, we work with people that aren't even outfitters, you know, we right. work with other vendors, other people that service the industries. So. Right. Man, that's good. And, and I think having 
Yeah. Having that. Cause, because I, I mean, I own a marketing agency and, and I'll, I'll be the first to say that I think most outfitters don't really need an agency. Like they just need a coach. They need someone that can come alongside of them, you know, with understanding and with knowledge and experience in, you know, whatever areas they're looking for, but to just come alongside of them and in this friendship and this relationship and say, Hey, these are the things that are good and that you can do. And, you know, whether you want to hire us to do it or just give you a plan for you to do it, Hey, we can help. And there's, there's just so many, there's so many, I think agencies out there that one, um, they don't speak the language and then they have to try to come in and learn the language. I don't know if you ever try to learn another language, but it's really difficult. I'm trying to learn to speak Spanish right now. And it is, it is really hard. <laughs> now, I guess there's the perks of you don't have to learn grammar when trying to learn an industry language, but still it's, it's different and it's difficult. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I mean, Zebulon and, and, you know, his mantra and mm. you know, our, statement to everybody is you know work smarter play harder make more money mm. you know and so how do we drive that to outfitters so that you know they get to they get to pull back a little bit and you know work a little smarter on stuff and then hey play a little harder and then you're gonna make more money yeah yeah that was always the thing was you know especially with outfitter owners is they're most of the time, I mean, especially in seasonal, there's there's some places, you know, even in the United States where you can operate year round, but um, most are, are seasonal, right? And the thing was always not having enough. We were in, in uh, Wisconsin is where I started my outfitter. So we were very seasonal. Um, and there was a point where it was like, we would spend so much effort in these, you know, six months running trips and we were everyone's vacation and in the off months, like we just didn't have good early on. We didn't have good strategies. We, we needed a coach. We needed someone to kind of come in uh, like you guys and say, Hey, here's what you could do different. And, and maybe actually take vacations of our own instead of being other people's vacations. That right. would have been really nice. Right. <laughs> that would have been really nice. Um, man, it, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say it's it definitely, you know, especially with new owners, I think I, and I've seen it over a long time of a lot of new owners just jump in and try to run the business the way it was run, mm. you know, where sometimes it'd be nice to, you know, throw a little spark in the fire. Like what, what can we change about this? What can we do different? What, what can differentiate yourself from the, those other outfitters that you're competing against? Yeah. You know, yeah. So as you're, as you're consulting and you're, and you're kind of coming up with plans, um, whether that be, you know, looking at, at, you know, what they're spending on marketing, they could, should increase, decrease, or whether they're, you know, what they're paying their guides should increase. That should never decrease. I'll just say that <laughs> right now. <laughs> that should always increase. Um, and really just creating uh, an overall, uh, just healthy, healthy workplace, work environment to retain those employees because there's such a high turnover rate in in the tourism industry and in the outfitter industry uh to be able to hold you know good guides long term is really hard and then you're wasting a lot of money and time retraining guides year after year so is that some things that you guys kind of come in and help outfitters do are those kind of things absolutely yeah yeah because we understand it i mean you know, my, my, my wife and I just went to Montana to go visit an outfitter and, you know, 
guide retention is huge, you know, mm -hmm. and how do you, how do you keep that? And, you know, we, we know the guiding industry, right? The majority of your guides are college kids. Yeah. Or in the older crowd, a lot of them are teachers, you mm -hmm. know, especially we see that a lot here in Idaho because multi-day river trips only run through the summer. So they're not really running in the off season. So you see a lot of teachers and you see a lot of college kids. And so how do you build a company strong enough and that relationship strong enough that people want to continue to come back? Right. As guides. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think there's always, again, there's that, those, there's two, I think different types of people. One, we have the college kids that are just looking for some cool experience over the summer and make a little money um, just, and to have a, a really good experience. And then there's the, the, like the long-term professional guides that are, that they do this for a living, right? They're, they're guiding in the summer, they're moving South, doing something, you know, in the winter there, or they're ski patrol. If they're in the mountains, you know, this is sure. their lifestyle that they, that they've made. And I think those are easier to retain because it's their profession, right. Versus the ones that, Oh, this is just a cool summer job. But if I had a cool summer job and my employee, my employer treated me well and paid me well, and it was a good environment, I would go back year after year for that. And right. so I think that's really cool that you guys kind of come, come in and help put, put structures and put things into place to say, Hey, here's what we're seeing based on our work with other outfitters in this same industry that they're doing. Here's their results. Do you think this could work for you? Right. You know? So, man, I think that that's, that's tremendous. The, the work that you guys are doing with outfitters. And I mean, what's your, what's your favorite thing about it? I know you're just, again, you're just kind of getting started in this part of the industry and this, this work and this job with Zeb. But I mean, what, is, what are you looking forward to the most? You know, I, I mean, honestly, helping the outfitters and helping mm -hmm. the industry stay alive. You know, I mean, when you've basically lived your whole adult, current adult life in the outdoor industry, you know, you best thing, best thing I want to see is that industry to survive mm -hmm. and to see outfitters survive. You know, I've got family that are outfitters. I've got you know, a ton of friends that are outfitters. I've got a ton of friends that are in the industry. Uh, you know, the be best thing I want to see is this industry continue and, and to thrive, you know, mm -hmm. get stronger. I mean, you know, the rafting industry obviously is my passion, but yeah. to be honest, I mean, the, the fishing, I mean, I, I do a ton of fishing, <laughs> you know, I mean, we spent, we even spent a week in Alaska this year, oh, you know, so cool. went with an outfitter up there and, uh, you know, we're getting ready to spend a week on the Clearwater with our drift boat and camping and, and getting out and just fishing for steelhead. And, you know, I just love being on the river and seeing, seeing those guys go by with full boats and, and mm -hmm. seeing people's smiling faces and having a good time and getting out and recreating. Yeah. Nothing beats that. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I think too, that's a, that's a big part of um, a bit, a huge part of my heart is, is the same thing is like passing on this, this passion for the industry to the to the generation behind us, the generation after us, so that they can can carry it forward and even take it to places that that we can only dream about, right? right. And and I think that even the people that listen to this show, 
you know, I think they kind of fall into three categories and people probably get tired of me saying this, but it's like, um, I think we hear, we have people that are outfitters that are just looking to connect with another outdoor entrepreneur and just hear their story. Maybe, maybe reflect on, you know, when they experience that in their journey, uh, or maybe they've not yet, you know, went through that or been through whatever this person's talking about. And so they're, they're kind of preparing themselves. Oh, I didn't think about that. You know, I'll take note of this for when I do experience that. I think that's one group. I think the other group is just people that want to find outfitters, people that just want to, you know, find an, an, an outfitter for their next adventure to, to Idaho or to Tennessee or, or where to Georgia, wherever. Um, and I think the third, and this is who I'm most passionate about, as far as the audience goes, is the 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 yet to be outdoor entrepreneur, <laughs> the one that has this passion, the one that that has this idea, this dream. Maybe they've been thinking about it for years, and they've just been, you know, timing's not been good. They've they've been afraid. You know, there's something that's held them back from saying, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to launch this business." That's who I'm the most passionate about, and so especially from you, I think that you can have just some, some really good insight as to, you know, what you could say to them. So if you were talking to that person, if you're talking to the person who is looking to start an outfitter business, looking to start taking this passion of theirs and turn it into a profession, what, what would you say to, to encourage that person? Do it. Just do it. You know, uh, from my standpoint, you know, I get to look at it from being an ex-guide. Mm. I get to look at it from being from a supplier manufacturer portion of it. Uh, and most recently, I get to look at it from a risk management standpoint as well. You mm. know, uh, <clears throat> there's, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people on the phone uh, in my previous jobs where they had this great idea. And it was like, uh, you really need to think about that. Like, is that really something you want to do? Uh, because I mean, you know, for most things people, you know, I mean, have these great ideas, but then it's like, uh, you might want to think about that yeah. or you might want to tweak it slightly, you know, slightly. And so I get to come at it from all kinds of different angles and look at it, um, which is fun, mm. you know, but for, for people starting out, man, I mean, you know, nothing like grabbing the reins and jumping on that horse and going you know, and it's going to, you know, it takes time and it takes figuring things out. People are going to, you're going to fail at things. You're going to survive at things. You're going to thrive at things. Mm. And that's what, you know, that's what Zebulon's all about jumping in there and helping people figure out, you know, if you, if you failed at this, why, what, what, what do we need mm. to fix? You know, and if you're thriving, what do we need to do to make it even more? Yeah. To multiply that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So, I mean, you heard it from the man that started as a part-time employee with Moravia and made it to president. So I think if you take anything away, he said, just do it. I'm pretty sure. Sorry, Nike, don't come at us, but hey, <laughs> this is uh, this is not our trademark. <laughs> um, man, that's that, I think that's, that's, that's really good. And I think it'd be really cool too. Um, you know, as you, as you kind of start getting your, your feet wet here, uh, with Zeb, um, maybe, maybe to have both of you, uh, on the show in the future and even, even I think to, to give something really valuable to the outfitters that are listening is, is to even kind of work through a process or, or 
what could we, what could you give to them that, you know, kind of helps them start thinking at the level that you guys are thinking about? Um, and of course, be there to to step in uh, if they if they need when they if and when they probably need your help. Um, but to really just give some 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 value that way, I think that'd be really cool to kind of to break that down and just hear hear from you maybe on a particular on a particular project. Um, keeping I guess names if you can share them if you can't whatever. But um, really just trying to 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 bring value to to the outfitters that listen to the show. Right. And I, you know, from my experience, I will tell you one of the biggest things I've ever seen as far as an advantage for an outfitter with trying to learn new things is those trade shows like America Outdoors. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing like mingling, you know, if you're a West Coast outfitter, nothing like mingling with an East Coast outfitter. You're not competitors, but you might be providing the same kind of service. You might be doing both day trips and you might be, you know, you might be in California or you might be in Tennessee, but you guys aren't mm. going to compete. So why not sit and chat? And yeah. those, you know, minglings that happen at like America Outdoors is, is awesome, you know, and those relationships stay and they stay forever. You know, people mm. they'll talk back and forth. Outfitters will talk back and forth and, and, and help each other out, you know, because overall, if the industry is thriving, then those outfitters are thriving. Right. So. Right. And I love that too. And, you know, I think with America Outdoors, uh, you know, this show is not sponsored by them, but it could be. Um, (laughs) um, So if you're listening, AO, I'm just saying. Um, But I I think with that, you know, one of the, the, a phrase I heard a while back, it said, your net worth is in your network. Mm -hmm. And I love that phrase because I think, especially with the outfitter community and especially with even, within the river community, the thing I love about it is it's so tight knit and I could show up, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a kayaker, if I'm a rafter whatever, like I show up on a river and there's other people kayaking and rafting, like we have this, this common bond because we love the same thing. Right. And, and there's just the relationship is easy to build on because we have a a shared passion. Right. And we've had these uh, shared experiences uh, on the river together. And, and I think, like what you're saying is even if it's somebody on the West coast or the East coast, even if they're in the same town, even if they're in the same area and they raft the same river, the way that we can move the industry forward is together. It's, it's not with this kind of cutthroat, um, you know, I'm going to worry about me. You worry about you kind of attitude. Um, That's ultimately, I think going to hurt you in the end. And so how do we do this together? You know, in 2008, when I was uh, on the Arkansas, there were 52 different company rafting companies on the Arkansas River, and all of them had booked trips Fourth of July weekend. You could hop from raft to raft, like it's <laughs> packed, right? And their businesses were were working; they were thriving. So there's room for everyone. Uh, and in the same way that if I take a trip with, um, and let's just say, you know, well for AAE, so Mike, he's a client of yours, former boss of mine. Um, if I take a trip with them and I have a good experience, then I'm going to go back to them. You know, right. like somebody, somebody else goes to, uh, let's say river runners, you know, down the road um, and they have a good experience. They're going to go back. It's, it's about longevity, I think, and client retention as well by providing good experiences. And so there's enough room. There's enough people, especially with the growth of outdoor recreation in the United States to, to feed everyone. Right. Right. No, so, and I agree. I agree with you. Return clientele is huge. I mean, I saw that in 
in the multi-day trips. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you, you know, how many times every year a family was coming back and family coming back and you just continue to provide that awesome experience for them and they'll keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man, Chris. So if, if people are listening right now, if an outfitter's listening and they're like, you know, I, I could probably use some eyes on my business and, and, and get some outside opinions and perspective. Um, I think Chris is the guy to get to go to. How can, how can he get a hold of you? Yeah. So easy uh, emails, Chris, C-H-R-I-S at ZebulonLLC.com. The other cool thing is if you're an outfitter, you can join our outside in crowd on Facebook. And we're doing uh, basically about every other week, we're doing a, we call it Groover Gab. And we basically just sit there and shoot the shit. And to be honest (laughs) with you, it's anybody can jump in. We've got outfitters, we've got providers, you know, people just jump in there. We just talk as a group and, and any, anything that's on anybody's mind, we just chat about. So, yeah, I love that. And if you're not in that group, uh, the outside in crowd on Facebook, uh, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes, but, um, man, it's, it's a great group, um, that, that you guys got going on over there and lots of value. Um, I've yet, I've, I've it's always been, um, bad timing for me to join a Groover Gab, but one of these days I'm going to make it. <laughs> Go. I'm going to make it. Um, Chris, I appreciate your time today and just looking forward to, uh, man, just to, to seeing how you continue to, to grow uh, over there with Zeb and just seeing the, the people that you serve and, and man, just how, how they're going to grow because of, of what you guys do for them. Uh, and excited to meet, get to meet you in person in Orlando at the AO conference. Absolutely. Um, really looking forward to that. Again, the show's not sponsored by AO, but um well chris man hey thanks for uh taking some time out of your day to to talk with me and uh yeah looking forward to to keeping the conversation going absolutely paul i appreciate it all right man take care all right thank you 